Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. And welcome to the podcast show where I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. Now, that might be the mission of the nonprofit that you work at, or if you're a freelance grant writer or nonprofit consultant, the many different nonprofits that you work with. All right, so I have a great show for you today. We actually have Dr. James Pan back on the show again, and he's going to be talking about logic models and evaluation sections in grants. So um, definitely you will want to go over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 218 to get all of the show notes, plus he gives an example of a logic model. And um, so you can actually have a visual representation, which is really important as he talks through the different sections today. Since we're talking about something visual, sometimes it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around it when you're just listening. Um, But definitely go back to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 218 to download that logic model for free. Um, There's also a lot of other links um, that we link out to today from the today's show as well. All right, so before I I introduce Dr. James Pan, I just want to give you guys a heads up on all the cool things that we're doing at Grant Writing and Funding, our sponsor. Um, Definitely check out grantwritingandfunding.com, sign up for our free Grant Writing and Funding Hub Haven, where we have a ton of free resources for grant writing, for just getting grant ready for your nonprofit. Also, if you're interested in getting paid to write grants, becoming a freelance grant writer, either doing it part-time or full-time, we have a ton of resources. We have online courses. We have a book. We have a ton of stuff. So if you want to um, go ahead and get more information, do jump over to Grant Writing and Funding and join our Hub Haven where you'll get at least a weekly email um, with different things from the sector. Of course, we also have our podcast every week. We have a ton of other information and resources. So do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com. We also have some cool things coming up in May. Of course, Sean Kosofsky is doing his uh, free webinar this week, so you're definitely going to want to check that out. Um, But if you've listened to this past the 11th of May, no worries. We have some other things coming up as well. We have How to Become a a Federal Grant Reviewer, a new course that we've actually just developed, and we're launching that at a really cool early bird, so you guys are definitely going to want to check that out. We also have um, some great other trainings coming up some free trainings coming up um, in the next couple of months. So you'll definitely want to go to grantwritingandfunding.com for more information. All right, so let's get into it with our guest today. Now, Dr. James Pan is definitely not new to the podcast. He's been on it a couple other times, and he is amazing. Dr. Pan is a professor at Nova Southeastern University in Florida, and he is a principal consultant of Evale Network, a research and evaluation consulting firm since 2000. So Evale Network specializes in working with education, health and human service organizations, and grant-making entities. So really cool that his, um, as it says, Evale Network, so they really focus on evaluation and research partners on local and national projects funded by foundation and government agencies. 
Dr. Pan is also an associate professor at the Abraham S. Fischler College of Education, where he focuses on teaching program evaluation and conducting research and evaluation projects. All right, so you are definitely going to hear a lot from him today. Like I said, we're talking logic model. We are talking evaluation section. So without further ado, let's get into our podcast episode. Here's Dr. James Pan. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And I'm super excited today as we are going to be talking about logic models and evaluation sections in your grant applications. And to assist in all of that, I have an expert on the show today, Dr. James Pan. Hey, hey, hey James, how are you doing today? Good. Good to be back. It's nice to, to see you and to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is evaluation and everything related to evaluation so i love it <laughs> i love it yeah because i mean i i like it too but that's not my strongest point so i love <laughs> that you're coming in and that's like your forte because you know it's really important that when you're writing your grant applications and you have to write an evaluation section that you know what you're doing it's not just like oh it's going to get done like there has to be a plan behind it and you break it down so well and I know you've touched on it before in the podcast because you've been on the pod before, uh, but today we're going to go a little deeper in and you're really going to be talking more about connecting the logic model. So lots of questions also on logic models. So you guys are definitely going to want to tune in and hang out today and, and hear this. <laughs> so thanks again for coming back on the show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Logic models are oftentimes required. Some, a lot of federal grants, some foundation grants and so forth will require logic models. They sometimes have the, like the layout, the format might change, might vary different depending on which uh, opportunity, which agency. Looking at one right now where they use terms in the RFA or in the NOFA that's quite, you know, very different than what I'm used to, but you gotta just have to go with it. So, but found, foundationally, like if you know how to use a logic model, then you can make adjustments, you can tailor the style, the format, that sort of thing mm -hmm. to the particular opportunity, yes. which, uh, which, is, which is important, right? Yes. So like in this one, yeah, in this one opportunity we're looking at, they use the, the term output and, and outcome, uh, those, two, those two terms, which, which both begin with an O, but they mean something mm. quite different. Uh, they use it inter interchangeably or they kind of mix it up in, in the NOFA. And so, but, you know, still in, in the, log in the, the uh, logic model that we'll need to create, we'll have to follow kind of like what their, what their descriptions are. We'll have to, you know, be consistent mm -hmm. uh, with how they kind of lay it out. So foundationally, if you understand how to create a logic model, then you understand how to explain succinctly what your program is. Mm -hmm. Understand how to, how to show what the program is, how to show what it, what it isn't. By creating a logic model, it's not just a great like brainstorming tool, a communication tool, but it's also a fantastic way to figure out then what are, how are we gonna like evaluate this program? Like what are the key things that we have to look at to see if those things change, what happens with those different elements in order, so we can really identify this in order to have a meaningful evaluation. So for evaluation purposes as well. So it's like a neat, 
a neat thing and it works a lot of the times it's not it's not a panacea it's not you know perfect when you have more complex programs then there's other approaches and maybe it would be better um, different ways to do logic models as well but your typical ap approach typical intervention program project initiative that you're applying for with your federal federal grants logic models will work well yeah it will help the reviewer really understand what what your the program is and, and you can create it in such a way that it will complement the narrative so if you have reviewers that are very visual although you know reviewers tend to be very you know, they're reviewers so they're they, they read a lot and they're okay with that the but the the, the visual part can really complement and fill in missing pieces and really just kind of like you know deliver the essence of the program to someone when they look at that so creating logic has a lot of a lot of advantages a lot of evaluators talk about it do it um, for for good reason because mm -hmm. it's, it's a useful tool Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's great that we're just diving right into the logic model part because, you know, a lot of people might be like, well, what is a logic model specifically and how you're kind of outlining it is it is a visual representation of what's going to be done in the program, right? And there's very specific things to put inside the logic model. Um, but I love that you go back and you say, but first read the FOA, the funding opportunity announcement, right? So, or the request for a proposal. And if they do require a logic model, you'll know, because I'll put it in there. And sometimes they have their certain format of what they want you to design it like. Sometimes they don't, right? So yeah. this is really good. And even I tell um, grant writers, even if they don't require a logic model, but you have the opportunity to have it as an attachment or put it, you have page limitation where you actually have a page available where you can put a logic model, include it. Because just like you said, it gives another complementary viewpoint of your program and how it's brought together, i.e. there's logic to it, logic model, right? So yeah, um, right. yeah. Can you just kind of talk about them like on a basic level then what would all be included in this logic myth this one page kind of illustrative um you know logic model yeah so that's right all this talk about it let's actually kind of get down to what what it what's included so they're like the the typical pieces that are included a logic model you um oftentimes it's a, a kind of a visual uh, description and that you, you you lay uh the text out that uh, using blocks or using uh, uh, like, like I'll, I'll, I'll share one with you and you can include it in the, in the blog post. Awesome. As an example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, the main elements include uh, inputs or also which are resources, basically the, the resources that need to go into your project to make it happen. So it could be the funding, it could be the staff, the location, maybe some sort of curriculum that you're going to be using incorporating mm -hmm. right into the program so that those are those are the inputs the resources the activities are the things you're going to do oftentimes those are the services we're going to provide maybe uh, products will develop sometimes you know you develop uh, a manual a treatment manual or something like that and that's a part of the you know you're not bringing it in you're actually developing it as part of the initiative. So the activities refer to the, the services you're providing. It could be educational services, health screenings, whatever it, you know, whatever the, the type of grant you're, you're conducting. Then related to that are outputs, right? So we have uh, inputs, activities, right? Uh, outputs. 
And outputs are the, what we refer to those as the direct product mm -hmm. of the activities. When you do an activity and run some sort of activity, what happens? Like, what do you see happening right away, immediately, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, inpatient uh, psychoeducational groups running, and the psychologists, a lot of examples I give are just by default are, are psychology related, although most of the grants I work on are not related to psychology, but mm -hmm. uh, a fair number are. But uh, so you run those, those groups, the outputs would be the number of people attending, the number of right. sessions, number of weeks, number of hours per week, right? Mm -hmm. Perhaps their level, like how much they like those sessions, their level of satisfaction, patient experience. Mm -hmm. those, are, those are the outputs. So then, and the last bit is uh, outcomes mm -hmm. or impacts, sometimes mm -hmm. people use that term. And then in grants, they'll, they'll also refer to those as, as objectives. So they, there's a lot of terms there that they kind of that they throw around, but in a lot, typical logic model, be outcomes, and then sometimes people people will break it down by short, uh, intermediate, and long term, just depending what what makes sense. Mm -hmm. And outcomes are really just the point, like why you're doing the project, like the whole point of it. Like if you have, like what's can you think of a pro, a project that that you've worked on or consulted on, or someone's had a question about in terms of like some sort of impact that they've so, some sort of act, some some sort of a activity or intervention that mm -hmm. that you you've worked on uh, or heard about recently, and I can I can we can lay out what those different elements are. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, so somebody in one of my grant training right now, um, she has a program where she serves uh, low to moderate income single mothers, right? And they have different supportive services. So um, if she was looking at, you know, she's looking at like a GED service for our getting, having, helping one individual get a GED, helping another get, you know, more workforce, the financial literacy, et cetera. So the inputs then would be the resources, maybe the money from the grant, right? Maybe financial literacy yeah. partners if you have them, right? And then the staff. The staff. Yeah. Right. And then location, any technology, any technology that's being used to like facilitate the training, um, right? All that stuff, right? Okay. And yes, yeah. And then the next point you said would be the actual um uh so you have the, the inputs, sorry, the resources, and then you have the next step is what? The activities, yeah, like the, what you're actually gonna do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So she would say so, like how would she say that then is the activities? Yeah, it depends like how granular you would get. So, but you mentioned some of the services that um, that they would provide, right? So there mm -hmm. was, you said there was, was it like financial, did I hear that right? Financial literacy. Financial literacy training. So that would be maybe one module you could list that as one activity. So sometimes you get sort of very granular and break, mm -hmm. it, break it down a little bit more. Other times you bring it, it just depends like what, what's included That's in the right. overall program, mm -hmm. the entire intervention. So what, yeah, what else is included in there? Uh, GED um, support. So maybe we could also have like transportation, right? Or uh, workforce placement, right? Um, workforce training development. So those different things, then you could all put as activities, right? Yeah, exactly. Those would be uh, different activities that ultimately support like, you know, the need of mm -hmm. the target population. And, you know, everything is like in the context of the need of yes. the the target population. Sometimes in logic models, I should say, 
is, and they'll sometimes specify this, like there's one that I saw recently where they said that they also want the, the need listed, sort of like yeah. a, a context, contextual sort of factors. And that would be like important, right? What is the problem? What's the yeah. issue that you're addressing, right? Fundamentally. So yeah. let me ask you that, what is, what is the issue? This will make it even more crystal clear for us, but like, what do you remember what the issue was that they're trying to address in the target population? Yeah, I think the main problem statement would be that low to moderate income single mothers in a certain area in Georgia um, have a higher uh, poverty rate or, you know, it might be something in that realm, right? They have uh, yeah. lower, uh, lower income jobs as well. So, you know, looking at that's a huge problem. So then some of those activities to help solve that are financial literacy, um, yeah. getting education as far as the GED uh, support, you know, getting workforce placement, that sort of thing. So yeah, so when you look at, and I love that you say ground it with a problem statement, right? Ground it with that. And then you're seeing, okay, how are we solving this problem, right? And that ties into your goal and your objectives and all of that. So yeah. we looked at that problem statement, then these activities are clearly on point to help, um, you know, have a different outcome right to change that yeah you want definitely you want the activities uh to be set up in such a way that they're going to ultimately result in outcomes mm -hmm. that will address the well it makes sense right the problem that's being that's yeah. experienced by the target population so if you have a low number of like sort of low like high school uh completion mm -hmm. uh, as an issue then gd courses uh you know would make sense, right? So that would be an important, important, important aspect, mm -hmm. I think, of the of the project. And then, so that would be like one of the activities, right? Mm -hmm. The educational aspect, high school completion, or you know, at least a, a GED, right? Something like yeah. that. And then outputs for that would be like the number of people that would be served by the project. Mm -hmm. It would be, you know, how many different how many uh, for the GED, like, see, and it might, it might vary, right, by the service that you're providing. Maybe yeah. you'd have a certain number that would participate in the GED uh, aspect. And, you know, would that go for, for the GED uh, piece? Would that go for three months? Would it go for six months? So you, you provide some detail around that. Again, when someone's looking at this one page visual description, they, they can look at it glance at it and they can start to see the elements, the key elements of the program. Yeah. Yeah. So, she so, yeah, so each 10 people served or 10 people receiving um, their GEDs, um, you know, then you could have like uh, under other activities, you could have three people and were for, placed through the workforce placement, attended uh, 10 different trainings, right? All of that. So you could put all how, of the tangible. How long are the, yeah, that's right. How long are the trainings, those kind of things as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So then moving on to the next thing would be the outcomes. And I love that you talked about outputs and outcomes. Sometimes people think they're interchangeable. Sometimes grants can get it confused. But really what that is, is the behavior change, right, is how I kind of look at it. Like, what is the impact? As you mentioned, outcomes can sometimes be called impacts. So now we see the number of people that went, got a GED. What is, how does that serve them? How does that even reduce that problem statement more, right? Like, how does that really reach your goal? So can you kind of talk about what some of the outcomes might be for those outputs? <laughs> yeah, yes. The outputs are what happens when you run your 
you know, the different services that we're talking about in our example, what happens immediately? I mean, you see that you serve the people, they show up for, you know, 10 sessions, each one's an hour long, they, you know, whatever it is, tends, there tends to be some, you know, numbers associated mm -hmm. with that, right? Mm -hmm. when we're describing the, the direct product of those activities. The outcomes are like the whole reason why you're doing the program. And sometimes there are some short-term outcomes that need to be achieved in order to get to that whole big reason, like the big point of why you're doing this. Like if you want individuals ultimately to get out of poverty and better jobs, like that might be like the ultimate kind of thing that we're, we're trying to address and move the, move the needle on and really impact. But, you know, perhaps... In order to get there, we have to improve the level of education. We have to improve, you know, high school completion rate, right? We have to, maybe there's some, some vocational career counseling and having, having uh, a, a better sense of, of type of job or occupation that they would like to pursue. So, you know, having a, a you know, changing uh, perceptions, changing knowledge, changing behavior. These are typically the kind of like outcomes, things that we, we want to target and we want to improve, but it all comes back to, you know, then you're probably the more long-term outcomes would be the uh, directly aligned with the needs of mm -hmm. your, of your target population. Yeah. The, the other reason why logic models are helpful, you know, even if they're not required, what it will do is it will force the grant team to really, you know, sometimes things get unspoken, like they're not really said, and there's just a lot of assumptions made. But sitting down, and it could be on Zoom, it could be like done electronically any number of ways, or just in a room together, sitting down and putting to paper visually what a program is mm -hmm. and what what the 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 things we want to move the needle on, what those outcomes are, can be super elucidating you know it could be really insightful and when you go through that process like a lot of times we'll find that like different people in the organization or even the grant writer and the organization that they are understanding the project a little bit differently or very yeah. differently mm -hmm. also you can see like a lack of alignment sometimes between the activities and the outcomes so it's like we have these great outcomes listed but when you look at the activities it doesn't really make sense there isn't this like total consistency between the out, the uh, activities and the outcomes. Mm -hmm. So really like questioning that and coming back, it's like, okay, we have these couple outcomes here, but there's really nothing being done to address them. We, we have wishful thinking, which is great uh, in a sense, you know, but only if like it leads to us coming up with some uh, pragmatic, real, you know, ideas here about activities that we can add that will address those outcomes, all of the outcomes, or we adjust the outcomes. Sometimes you remove outcomes because you realize that they're not, they're not necessarily relevant. They sound good, but they're not super relevant, super core to what, what we plan to do. And what also maybe what the grant uh, wants too. Yeah. What the opportunity wants. I love that because I actually know some grant writers who 
like to do the logic model first, right? And then like you're saying, you kind of brainstorm and you kind of figure this out. And because it's giving you all of the, like, the framework of what needs to go into the grant and they like to actually hang it up, like boom, put that picture up next to while they're writing the grant so they don't get lost in the weeds. And so they make sure that they're hitting on all of those points. So even if they don't have to incorporate that logic model into the grant, or they can't, right, because of the space limitation and all of that, they still do it just because there's so much benefit, like you're talking about, in doing the process of creating a logic model. And it really does help keep you, because I like having the logic model, like you said, I like having the problem statement there, the goal there, and, you know, having it so it's, it's a whole, like, ecosystem as far as looking at the whole entire process, right, of what the grant will do for the community or for your target demographic, how it's going to really benefit. So it is a nice even to have it as a standalone. It really is important to do, I think, you know, but yeah, I, that's why I like how you kind of like said the process even is <laughs> like, you know, in, in, and, and in general, like when you look, like I tell my students when I show them the different logic models we've worked on, I'm like, you probably think that this took us like a, maybe an hour or two to develop. Like, you know, it doesn't look, it looks pretty simple, straightforward, you know, and like I'll share some with, with, with you and the, again for the blog post or for, you know, some, because we're talking about something that's very visual, so it'd be yes, helpful for yes. Thank the you. viewer, the listener to, to look at that. Mm -hmm. But really, like it takes a good one will take many hours and yeah. many hours, like people hours, because just the number of people that will have to collaborate and like figure out, oh, yeah, this doesn't really make sense. There's really no like conceptually it doesn't make sense that this activity will lead to this outcome. And there's this sort of notion we speak in an evaluation uh, language and program design language about a theory of change that it should make sense from a theoretical perspective, from a conceptual model perspective, that the outcome, that the activities that you've laid out, that they'll result in the activities that you're, that, that you're, the outcomes you propose, sorry, I keep mixing up the term. Um, the activities that you lay out, that there'll be consistency, conceptual consistency between the activities and the outcomes. Yeah. You know, and yeah. again, it sounds pretty straightforward and, it makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah. But when you really dig into it, you can see that a lot of times there's like there's big assumptions that are made, mm -hmm. and those assumptions um, can be can can lead us, you know, to, uh, to I think make some like some some real you know conceptual and practical errors. So. Absolutely, I agree with you. I've been in those meetings where it's a it's definitely it takes a while, and there's a lot of different contribution and insight and. And does that really make sense? And it can go on for quite a while. But the thing is, is once you get it nailed down and it's, you know, you're like, this is it. And everyone comes to this, okay, agreement in it. Then the other parts, such as writing the evaluation section, such as writing the narrative part of the grant is so much easier. And it comes by, you know, it moves faster, right? Because all of a sudden you have a framework to rely on and you have something you can continually go back to. These are always the objectives. These are the activities, you know what I mean? So you can go back to it again and again. So it actually saves you time in the long run, even if it does take a little bit of time to really develop. And like you said, it's just a one page visual sheet. It looks so simple, but it, it really is powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of segueing then into that, because in your practice and in your, um, you know, your university practice as well, like looking at the evaluation section, 
is where you also thrive and connecting the logic model then to if there is in a section in a in a grant that says how will you evaluate your deliverables right and there should always mm -hmm. be even if it's not you know a five page part of a federal application even if it's a foundation application and it's very short you should always in your mind know how we're going to evaluate or measure the deliverables that we say we're going to do right so how can you use a logic model then to lay the groundwork for your evaluation section because i see a lot of people get stuck in the evaluation section and how do i evaluate that this is going to get done or lead to the outcome that i want it to yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm just shutting down my uh, as many things as I can because my internet says it's unstable. Oh no! So hopefully, mm -hmm. we'll be we'll be okay. Yeah, they're they're really the, it matches up. It's a good segue, I think, to what you're what you're asking the logic model and kind of creating the evaluation because you can use what you've developed from the logic model then to identify the different pieces that give you a, the help you do the evaluation. Now, a lot of times in these grants, they're, they're talking specifically about like process evaluation or outcome evaluation. Those are the two things that they're, that they're focusing on. And when they talk about the outcome evaluation, they're uh, directly or indirectly referring to like coming up with like a, a sense of like what the value of the program is, like the value part of evaluation, the core part of that word, of that word, right? Determining what Michael Scriven referred to as the merit worth significance of the program, right? But a lot of times we'll we'll do that by specifically measuring the let's say the outcomes that are key, that are uh, maybe what you report as part of your uh, your GIPRA or other uh, different uh, requirements, um, your quarterly QPR that you'll be doing, mm -hmm. quarterly progress report, like different elements that you'll report on, you'll uh, oftentimes have to report on those uh, specific uh, outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so for our example, and then you'll have to operationalize those outcomes, meaning measure those outcomes, and re report on that and track it and, and come up with a way that makes sense to assess those outcomes. So for your example, when we're talking about better jobs, like ultimately, you know, that's one of the things you want to see the yeah. participants uh, get from that project, like improved jobs. Well, if you list that as an outcome, how do you measure that? Like, how do you know if something is a better job? You know, yeah. so, you know, obviously like people, Think about salary as as one measure. It's it's probably it's not the only one, and it may not might not be the most important one. Um, but you have to think about like how to operationalize that that you know idea of uh, better job, right? So how do we measure that? So you could say, okay, it's salary. That's perhaps one way. There may be the benefits. Maybe it's uh, maybe there's some other measures, and I'm not familiar with that have to do with satisfaction, meaningfulness. Flexibility. Uh, I'm not sure. Right? We're looking Flexibility. At yeah, you know, the uh, th there's probably other characteristics about mobility. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. As we talk about, it, I think we could come up with, with others, but for simplicity's sake, we could say like salary, you know, as one as one way. And so you would, you know, that's the way that in which you would, you know, measure that. So you list out your 
your outcomes, they're stated in your logic model, and then you propose different ways to measure each of those outcomes. And there's different ways to do that, right? You can, you know, sometimes it's, you, you get the data, for, uh, it's like more programmatic data. Other times it might be from asking surveys, you know, if you want to using surveys to, to request the participants complete those surveys. For instance, if your target is to improve life satisfaction, let's say, right, mm -hmm. well-being, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, a survey could be a good way to, to get at that and to actually get, a, get at that in a more quantifiable way mm -hmm. where you have, um, where you can actually get quantity, quantitative data, uh, numbers like scale scores that can give you an indication of, oh yeah, are people, are they improving in their life, let's say life satisfaction, their quality of life. There's any number of things that we might be interested in that you could, uh, you could get at. That's another way to operationalize. And there's those, these uh, outcomes that we're, we're talking about and you can use different uh, tools uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in your, in your grant proposal, <clears throat> you'll also provide detailed information about like the procedures you'll go through in order to do that. Like, who will collect the data? How will the data be analyzed? How will it be interpreted? What are the targets? Like what, what do we want to achieve right, mm -hmm. on the different criteria? So what sort of standard or, or level uh, do we want to uh, score at or achieve or how much of an improvement are we hoping for? Oftentimes percent improvements or what's used in, in, in federal grants, mm -hmm. which uh, have their own set of challenges and kind of like setting a, a reasonable improvement, but nonetheless, that's oftentimes used. So the logic model can give you, can help you to identify key things that you'll want to measure, right? And that oftentimes will be the things that you need to report on, certainly with outcomes. Yeah. And the outputs and the activities too, uh, there's that's like the more like the process kind of evaluation piece mm -hmm. where we would actually keep, you know, track of and report on like, well, number of participants that are served, number of participants that complete the program, mm -hmm. right? That might be an additional measure. Uh, there's, there's those kind of things and perhaps something like satisfaction with the program. We want people to be satisfied with the program, not because that's an outcome. It's not really an outcome. I would, I would say it's an output, but, but because increased satisfaction leads to better engagement, uh, tends to then lead to ultimately to better, better outcomes, right? People are happier with the program. They participate. They, they feel like it was valued. They, uh, it, they uh, experience it, engage, and they, they, they really stay with, with the, the, uh, the program the intervention and it impacts their, their, the outcomes better. So laying all of that out can give you a good sense of what we should include in the evaluation plan. The evaluation plan is basically a detailed uh, indication of what your, your outcomes are. You're, really you start with actually evaluation questions, which, which could refer to outcomes, like evaluation question might be, like to what extent were, was, um, was uh, were uh, was uh, were occupation uh, mm -hmm. quality? Uh, I restate that, but was, was occupation quality uh, improved by the, the program, by the workforce program, or whatever it was? Yeah. As one example, the evaluation plan is guided by several evaluation questions. Within those would be, let's say, outcomes, and then we have the the different ways in which you measure those outcomes. We have the right the uh, mm -hmm. 
the way you, you analyze that, like who, like all, all the different sort of pieces that we right. and need to engage in. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot there, but it's very systematic. And uh, when you see it kind of listed out, I think it's, it's, uh, it can be helpful. Yeah. Right. And I love that because it may, you guys may be like, oh my gosh, I might be this, this, and this, but really when you put it together, it, does, it can be very simple. And I always say simple is better, you know, as far as um, you don't need high sophisticated programs like software to do this. It's just really using what do we need to do? Who is it going to impact? How many people? Um, you know, what is what's that effect going to be on them? How is that going to be a positive thing? Is that going to, you know, flip the problem statement around, right, to make it the goal? And then how are we just going to track that all of this is getting done? who's going to track it? You know what I mean? Like, where's the data for simple things? Like it might be like the program manager is going to upload into the cloud and an Excel sheet. (laughs) I mean, like it doesn't have to be crazy either. It can be simple, but answering those questions, it shows the grant reviewers that you have a plan, right? And that they know what deliverables you're going to be reporting on and what type of increase or benefit it's going to, you know, have. So when they're giving you money, they can directly tie money to that to be like, you know, $100,000 is then going to serve 10 people, you know, three people are going to get a GED, four, five, and seven people are going to get job placement, and they're going to have an increased salary, increased job satisfaction. This is really going to help low to moderate um, single mothers improve their quality of life, right? So it just all ties together. And that's what I love about how you're outlaying, like, these are different methods and metrics than where you can show that, right? And that's technical writing. So yeah. yeah definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it, and it, it really just like forces you to also like be very deliberate about you know, how you're gonna, let's say, collect the data. Yes. So if, if you have as your outputs and they're, you know, the number of sessions that mm-hmm. people attend of a particular training in order to be completers, then well, you need to, you need to track that. So that should be included in your you know, CRM if you use one or it should be included in the system that you develop because you're going to need to have one to track that mm-hmm. to ultimately report uh, if somebody is a, not just attending but if they're completing the program by maybe completing like you know 80 percent of the sessions or doing whatever it is that makes them a computer of the program so it forces you specifically to you know indicate like how you're going to collect track maintain the the information that you're going to need to get yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that can lead to obviously higher rates of securing grants because you're showing this. And also the big thing, of course, is how higher rates of completing these projects and having amazing outcome and positive outcome in your communities, right? When you have these types of plans, because if you don't have something set up, like who's going to do what, what how is this really going to happen? What is the real outcome we're looking for? And you get money, say you get funded, then it might be hard to manage that money because you're really not sure how to do it. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what you're really doing. So it really all ties together um, with completing the logic model and then with having an evaluation methodology in place on how you're going to handle all of the the data, how you're going to track everything, right? And how you're going to report on everything. So yeah, really, really good. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, there. I'll, I'll share with you also. I did a, 
uh, I think last week a webinar for the this uh, conference of future is mindful the post conference event we did a webinar. And it was titled uh, determining the impact of your uh, mindfulness program. Right? Mm -hmm. And so we I walked people through like how to how to do this how to kind of go through the, the steps that we're we're talking about. Um, creating basically how to figure out like the impact what, what the effect of your mindfulness program a lot of organizations are running mindfulness programs mostly a lot of non-profit for-profits were at this uh, I think represented at the, at the conference and so they you know they have to just like everyone they have to justify their efforts the money spent the time spent and so yeah. forth mm -hmm. how do we do that how do we show like what what the impact of our efforts is mm -hmm. and in this case so I walk, I walk people through specifically like a, a program that we that we ran and how you know we developed the logic model for it, what we did, and uh, then we we go through some uh, like specific steps of applying a an evaluation, another like evaluation tool, a, a model a, a model called the context input process product model, uh, developed initially by Dan Stuffelbeam and and uh, they came up uh, came out with a book with a, a, a Gilly uh, a Zhang uh, as well. Uh, that, that's a great, a fantastic book that I'm going to be using in my one of my evaluation courses actually very soon. And so we we take that that approach and apply it and the logic model and apply that to determining the impact of a of a of a mindfulness program. We did that with with our program. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, so I'll, I'll provide a link to that uh, to that oh, video it's available. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and shedding more light and more insight and more detail on logic models, on evaluation sections in grants um, and for grants. This has been really, really helpful. And I know a lot of people are also going to be wanting to download those, uh, those um, downloadables that you're talking about that you'll be sharing with us and going to those links. So I'll definitely be sharing that in the show notes. But as far as, um, you know, people wanting to reach out to you, you're a professor at Nova Southeastern University in Miami, and you also have your own uh, practice, the eval network. So how can people reach out to you and where can they find you? Yeah, they can, uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'll, I'll share the, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the username, whatever, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll put that in there. And also they can email me directly. So okay. they can email me at, uh, at jpan at a, a valnetwork.com. Mm -hmm. So those are probably like two, two good ways to do that. But uh, LinkedIn is also uh, the direct messaging and LinkedIn is good too. So. Great. So any questions they have on, on sections, they can reach out to you um, on the evaluation. Definitely. Yeah, and then you can get back to them. So thank you for providing this service. And you also have your own podcast, your podcast. And you want to talk about it a little bit before we sign off? Today? Yeah, it's called yeah, it's called the Val Network. Um, so I would interview. I've interviewed you before on there. All sorts of people from evaluate in, in evaluation, work in the nonprofit space. So we we do that, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And I just I uh, use it for the work I do with uh, with my students. To share it with the with the evaluation community and the grant writing community, and it's uh, it's just a great excuse to 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 speak to really interesting people. So that's fun. <laughs> awesome. The yeah. videos with that, and a lot you know a lot of what we talked about today, I think will will be like really helpful when folks see the uh, like the visual part. Oh, a lot yeah. of this is visual. We're we're talking about it. it's it's a bit of a struggle talking about 
something that uh, has a visual component, but I, uh, without having the visual piece. But once you look at like sort of the example of logic model, when you look at maybe the video where I walk through that, mm -hmm. um, and that maybe that will be helpful for, for the readers. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. So we'll have all those links in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much again for coming on the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast and shedding more light on logic models and evaluation sec sections. And we'll be sure to have you back on the podcast again. Um, and I'll also have the links from uh, your prior episodes as well. So thank you again, Dr. James Penn. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Holly. I hope you enjoyed our episode today with Dr. James Pan. Once again, for all of the resources and show notes, um, you can definitely go over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 218 and you will get all of the resources plus that logic model uh, from today's episode. And if you are an Advent listener to Grant Writing and Funding, please do me a favor. Would you leave a review on iTunes or on your podcast listener? It always helps other people find the podcast. And also, I love to see what you guys are thinking about the podcast. Um, also, subscribe while you're there if you enjoyed this episode and you um, want to get more episodes delivered to your podcast app um, on Grant Writing and Funding every single week. All right, guys, I'll see you next week and have a wonderful, glorious rest of your day. Bye-bye.